1 John, this is just before the book of Revelation. So if you have trouble, go to the book of Revelation and then go backwards. Just a matter of a few pages and come to 1 John. Chapter 3. And verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. Lord. All right. I'd like to work on today, on Father's Day, for a little bit. On the manner of a father's love, you may be seated. The Lord bless you. First order of business is to realize that the Bible teaches that our father, and this is one that we all have, doesn't matter what part of the world you're from, what your background is, what your name is or is not. Doesn't matter what color your skin, doesn't matter how little or great your education is, uh, he's your father. Okay, hath not one God, Father, created us all? And at that, the Bible said he's made of all nations of one blood. God did that. So, for you to realize that our God, first and foremost, John 4 and 24, said he is a spirit. So it's important that you realize that when you refer to our Heavenly Father, that you're not going to get a mental image, a natural mental image of an old man hobbling around, stooped over with a cane or a walker or something like that. Okay? Uh, God is a spirit. He is everywhere. He knows everything. He knows everybody by name. And... uh and he wants to, through his church, and that is not a physical building, that's the church house. But the church is the body of believers. It is a corporate body of believers. It is universal. It is everywhere. It's not restricted to one location, one continent, or one country, or one dialect, as I said. This is to everybody. And... He has a church, Jesus does. He gave birth to that church, which I might emphasize that our Father has a name. He has many, many, many titles. Okay? But uh, if you look over on this side of the platform in the back, on the wall there, you will see a goodly list of the titles that belong to Him. As the prophet said, he was in the temple of the Lord and saw him high and lifted up and said his train filled the temple, meaning his victories filled the temple. And that he is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the God of gods. And he wears all the hats or all the crowns. And as you stack them up and stack them up, at some point, you get to the top, 
and the very top is his name. And his name is Jesus, Jesus Christ. That's the name above every name. Okay? So keep that in mind. It's good to know the name of your father. Good to know his name. All right. So keeping that in mind, he gave birth. He started, he built a church. He did it as the invisible God. He did it through the visible showing of himself in him who is called the Son of God. That's the flesh. That's what Mary gave birth to. Okay? Mary brought us brought to us the visible showing of the invisible God because he's a spirit. But in that flesh well, the fullness of that very invisible God. And that flesh grew up, had an earthly ministry, went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. And in so doing, he began to affect people's lives for the good. And as he did so, there were people that he would tell them, follow me. And they did. And that's where your 12 apostles came from. Only 11 of them hung in there. One of them was a traitor. But he was replaced. He went out. And uh, they were able to bring the next one that God ordained in. And so they were 12 strong when the church began. The church began by the outpouring of the Spirit of the invisible God. He sent forth the gift of His Spirit, known as the Holy Ghost. Okay? And that gift of the Holy Ghost, that gift of God, was poured out for the first time for whosoever will in the second chapter of Acts in your Bible. You're in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the four accounts of the one Gospel. And there is no other gospel. Okay? And that one gospel, those four accounts, will bring you to the book of Acts. The fifth book of the New Testament. Which is a history of the birth of the church. And how that church went forth, reaching to everybody. In other words, that body of believers. As God poured out His Spirit, and the twelve apostles were filled with the Holy Ghost, as was Mary, the mother of the flesh. Isn't that something that Jesus filled his own mother with the gift of the Holy Ghost? No greater gift you could give. And so, the other devout women also, some of them, according to the flesh, were his family. And uh, I was telling St. Sitzfeld, I said, it would be interesting to hear, and wouldn't it have been nice if somebody would have recorded and taken down, interviewed Jesus Christ's brothers and sisters, aunts, and according to the flesh. And that asked them, how was he? Now that you look back, he's been crucified. He's been risen from the dead. He has poured out his spirit. And you are a part of the body of Christ. And you were eyewitnesses. You lived with him day in and day out as he grew up. What? How would you describe him? What was he like growing up? 
when he was two and three and four years old? What was he like when he was a teenager? What was he like as a young man? And then when he became 30 and went about his earthly ministry, how would you describe it? How was he to you? That I thought would be very interesting. But nonetheless, if everything was in the Bible, it'd be a whole lot bigger than it is, and it's big enough, isn't it? 66 books, close to 800,000 words, and 1,189 chapters. We've got plenty there to contend with and deal with, and that's exactly what we're going to do. And so, as Jesus gave birth to his church, as he poured out his spirit for the first time, for whosoever will, and that kicked off this New Testament church here in the book of Acts. Then the church was appealed to by 17 plus nations. And they asked, you've preached to us, you've told us, now what do we do? And that's where Peter, by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, gave to them and to us, to everybody, the plan of salvation. The only plan that God ever gave and intended to give. And that is to repent for us to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and then to receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. This is what the plan of salvation is. This is what you must do. This is what everybody everywhere must do to be saved. Okay? The religious world man-made thinking, come up with all kinds of ideas, commentary, tradition, personal beliefs of their own, traditions of their own. But that's not the Word of God. We want the Word of God. And the Word of God said, repent. The Word of God said, be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Word of God said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is what we want to do. This is what we are commanded to do in the Scripture. And as the church went forth from the second chapter of Acts and began to reach out and fill the city of Jerusalem with the doctrine of Jesus Christ, known as the Apostles' Doctrine, they did what the Scripture teaches, and that is written in the book of Jude, chapter, uh, well, there's only one chapter, but verse 3, it is chapter 1, though, but it is verse 3, and he did say that we as the church, this church that Jesus started, was to earnestly or powerfully contend, not in some limp-wristed way, not in some, uh, you know, soft way, but that we were to earnestly, powerfully, mightily, effectively contend for the faith the faith that was once delivered unto the saints, to the body of Christ, in other words, to those that were called out of the world, out of darkness. And it all happened because of the manner of the love of the Father. That He, what manner of love is this? Why, this is the manner of love that came to sinners. This is the manner of love that didn't come to condemn you and say, you did it wrong, you thought it wrong, you acted wrong, your life is full of darkness and sin, and so we don't want anything to do with you and your kind. That is not the manner of love that the Father bestowed. Not at all. 
That manner of love is a love that came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to find us. He came to seek us out. He's looking for us. He said, I didn't come for the righteous. I didn't come for the people that are all filled with religion and filled with all kinds of traditions of men. I didn't come looking for those kind of people. I didn't come for those that are, that are whole and nothing wrong with them. I came to find the sick. I came to seek out the people that are having difficulties, troubles, hard times, adversities. They're in tribulation. I came to find them. That's why in the book of Revelation, when John the baptizer, not John, I'm sorry, John the revelator, John the revelator said to, uh, spoke out in the spirit and said, who are these? Who are these people? And the answer was, these are they that came out of great tribulation. And uh, that's who the Lord saves. That's who the Lord delivers. That's who the Lord shows such great manner of love. People who are in tribulation. Tribulation being hard time. Being difficulty. Being sorrow. Okay? People that are struggling. People that have a lot of issues in life. And Jesus sent His church. He was an example of it in the days of His flesh. And then when He gave His flesh on the cross, and he was crucified, and he was buried, and then he rose again on the third day, and showed himself alive with many infallible proofs, and having done so, gave last-minute instructions, and told those, oh, everybody, above 500, that is, to go and wait for him in the city of Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of his spirit, the gift of of the Holy Ghost. Go do that. But only about 120 obeyed His Word. Only about That means only about 120 really believed Him. Okay? If they had believed Him, the rest of them, they would have gone. Because if you're believing, you're obeying His Word. It's as simple as that. People that say they believe Him and then they don't do what He says are not believing they're showing you an example of unbelief. And that's where the Bible said, in more than one place, but it certainly says it and makes it plain, that how that the Lord destroyed them, afterward destroyed them, because they believed not the Word of God. So, if you're not believing, you're setting yourself up for destruction. But if you're believing, you're setting yourself up for salvation. And that's where the Bible talked about Him, Jesus, being the rock of offense or the rock of salvation. If you're believing, He's the rock of salvation. If you're not believing, He becomes a rock of offense, a stumbling stone. And that you'll trip over Him and you'll fall. And that does not have to be. Start believing what His Word teaches. Start believing what it's saying. And assemble yourself. Come together. That's what we're doing. And where two or three are gathered together in His name, He said, there am I in the midst of you. And so we know His name. His name is Jesus Christ. And He said, you come together in My name. He said, I'm going to be right there. 
I'm a church-going God. I'm not dead. I'm alive. Okay? I've risen from the dead. Got victory over death, hell, and the grave. And I've come to give you the victory. I've come to give you the victory. Okay? And I want you to believe that about Jesus because I'm trying to show to you on Father's Day what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. He bestowed upon us a love that would give its life for us. Now God can't die. He's a spirit. So He came in the flesh. And He gave the flesh as a sacrifice on the cross. And the flesh became obedient to the spirit. I, again, uh, we often discuss the scriptures, my wife and I, and uh, close to 45 years now we've been discussing them. And uh, I told her, I said, think about the love that was in the man Christ Jesus, the love of the Father to the fullness. Think about how one man said, I have power to set you at free at freedom, at liberty, because he was getting ready to crucify Jesus. And he, he said, you're not talking to me, you're not communicating with me. He said, don't you know I have power to, forget, to get you out of this, to set you free? It's the day of the feast. I can do that. And Jesus said, you have no power at all over me, except that we're giving you from above. And he said, I could, I could pray right now. He said, and I could have legions of angels, warrior angels, glistening swords. I could do that. And I said, think about the restraint. And you know, the Bible talked about the love of God constraining us. Constraining us. And, you know, the Apostle Paul said he could do certain things like others. But there was that which was given to him by the manner of the love of the Father in his life, that he constrained himself. He constrained himself. And so Jesus, being the chief example, he constrained himself. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, if it was, he said, my servants would fight. And I want you to, to just think about what Jesus could have done. You know? He could have he could have wiped them all out. He could have he could have taken care of it just like that. But the manner of love that was to be bestowed upon the church, the body of believers, people that were going to believe him, people that were going to obey him. I'm going to give my life for you on the cross. He could have done a lot of things, but he chose to do the will of the Spirit. He chose to submit Himself to the will of the Spirit, the will of the Father. And He went to the cross. The flesh gave its life, laid it down on the cross. And He did that because He loves you. He did that because He loves you. You know, the love of a father will give Himself for His family, for His children. And there's no greater example of that than what Jesus Christ did. No greater example. And to that, we try to measure up to. You see, we, we raise up men and women 
particularly, let us say today, we raise up men that we train to come into church and to eventually marry a woman in the church and to eventually father the child in the church or children in the church. And that to show a love to them. It's a manner of love. We get the example of that from the Word of God. It's defined for us what all Jesus Christ did. What He did for us. He didn't ask for anything in return other than maybe for you to give Him your heart. I often think about the those that came, the wise men, and they brought gold. What is gold to him? They brought frankincense. What was that smelly stuff to him? They brought myrrh, that incense. What was that to him? What did it mean? He owned it all. He had it all. Somebody said he owned all the cattle on the hill, and he owned all the taters in the hill. Okay? He owns it all. He didn't need any of those things. But what he wanted was obedience. What he wanted was their hearts. What he wanted was their cooperation. And that's why on that day, having risen from the dead, showing himself alive with many infallible proofs, giving them last-minute instruction that repentance and remission of sins was to be preached in his name. And it was to begin in Jerusalem. And that they were to go there and wait for the promise of His Spirit. And that only about, and I say only because it was above 500, but only about 120 obeyed Him. Only about 120 showed, proved that they obeyed Him. Because they went and did what He said. Where the about 380, that's the balance of the above 500, they didn't go. They, they split off. They went and did something else. They were not believing. And as I said, they were stumbling at the stumbling stone. And the very one that they were setting at naught, they were saying, nah, we don't want Jesus. We don't want apostolic. We don't want him. We don't want that way. They stumbled. They made him consequently to themselves. They did it to themselves. He became the rock of offense. They were offended in him. Where Jesus has said, blessed are they that are not offended in me. So if you want a blessing in your life, then don't be offended over Jesus. Don't be offended about the lifestyle. You want everybody to know that you're in the church. You want everybody to know that you're in the body of Christ. The... Um, gentleman called me not too long ago that we contracted to get the billboard that's on Main Street. And he said, how's the billboard doing? Is it having a good effect? And I said, yeah, I think so. He said, well, 40 feet long. He said, it ought to. And I, I said, yes, sir. I said, it's doing fine. I said, we're real happy with it. And now we've got vehicles that we're turning into moving billboards and our websites, and more and more, we want everybody to know who we are. We want everybody to know who our Father is. We want to share with everybody 
this great love of God. I was um, downtown the other day, and uh, the scene said, fell, and we got a bite to eat. And I either stayed too late or didn't leave early enough. In other words, it started raining. <laughs> and it was raining pretty hard. It wasn't raining when I went in, but it was raining when it came out. And, uh, but they were very kind to me, and they parked my car right there at the curb, right in front. But even, you know, 15 feet right in that rain, I still would have got plenty wet. And when I came out the patio and through the little gate, there's a covering over to the side, and I scooted over to it, and I didn't get too wet. It's only about five feet. Scooted over there, and since it fell, it hadn't come out yet. And uh, I, when I got there, I looked up, and here's this guy standing there with a big old umbrella. And uh, he was the ballet guy. And his name is Scott. And I had been witnessing to him, talking to him over a period of time. And uh, here he was, boom, like he materialized out of nowhere. And uh, I said, hey, man. I said, how are you doing? He said, oh, he said, Pastor, I'm doing great. And uh, he said, I got a Bible question for you. I said, great, here I am. Let's go, let's do it. And so he began to talk to me and asked me a question out of the fifth chapter of the book of Acts. I began to answer for him this particular scripture. And uh, as I answered to him, and I told him, I said, you know, one day, you have my card? He said, yes. I said, one day, why don't you call me? And uh, I said, um, you come early and I'll come early and I'll treat you to lunch and I'll, we'll have a Bible study. He said, okay. He said, that'd be great. And so I'm going to wait on his call and try to have that Bible study with him. And, uh, you know, we want to advertise who we are. We want to earnestly contend, powerfully contend as Jude 3 said, for the faith, for the belief, you know, that was once, and I might add for all, delivered unto the saints. The manner of God's love gave this to us. As it is written, what hast thou that thou didst not receive? God gave us this. God gave us this. You didn't deserve this. You didn't earn this. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. That's the Holy Ghost. It is the gift of God. That's to be born again of the Spirit. It is the gift of God. Behold, take a good look at what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Undeserving love. We didn't deserve it. I don't know about you, but then again, I think I do. We didn't do anything good. We did it wrong. We said it wrong. We acted wrong. We stepped way out of line. We were born in sin. We were misshapen in iniquity or lawlessness. But the manner of love that shined down on us we were sitting in darkness. We were stumbling in the darkness. The words out of our mouth were wrong. The thoughts of our heart and the intents of our heart were wrong. By nature, we were sinners. By nature, we sinned. 
And God looked at us while we were yet sinners. He loved us. He died for us. He gave that flesh on the cross for us. He did that. What greater love can be given than that? How marvelous He is. What manner. Take a good look at it. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, the sons and the daughters of God, that we not only claim Him, but He claims us. These are my children. These are my children. Amen. Amen. I'm their God. I'm their Father. I want to, in that day, when it's asked, who are these? Where'd they come from? I, I want him to say that. Those are my children. Those are my children. And he's going to speak to the four winds of the earth, to the north, the south, east, and the west. He's going to say, give them up. And we're going to be, some of us are going to be in the grave. And we're going to hear his voice. An excellent voice. And we're going to come out of that. That's where the old song, you ought to sing that again one of these days. Ain't no grave going to hold my body down. We're going to come out of there. And we which are alive, there'll be some of us that will be alive when the first resurrection takes place. Commonly referred to as a rapture. Not a Bible word, but it is a Bible teaching. It's a gathering together. It's a catching up to Him. But it's called in the Bible the first resurrection. And we're going to be caught up together with the dead in Christ. And we're going to meet Him in the air. And so shall we ever be. Because He's going to descend from heaven with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And it will be the last trump. That's what your Bible teaches. And the, we're going to be changed. This mortal will, that hurts and that gets sick and diseased is going to put on immortality. It's going to be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, you're talking about love. Talking about the love of our Father. Friend. You know? How great. How great He is. It's a wonderful thing. You can be seated. God bless you. It's a wonderful thing to have a Father. Uh, speaking more natural, I grew up without one. My father left when I was three. I think I saw him about three times the rest of my life. And uh, I happened to know by correspondence that he's dead and that he lived to be 91 years old. And I don't think I saw him. I think the last time I saw him, I was 18 years old and saw him for a total of five minutes. But I was, two years after that, I became aware of my heavenly father because two years later, I got witness to him. 
somebody took time. His name was Brother Stefano, And God arranged it that I lost a job and I gained a job. And uh, I started working for this man called Brother Stefano. And uh, if you haven't already discerned, he was Italian. He was of the Italian band. He came out of Cornelius' group. And uh, he, uh, I, I didn't know how to roof. I didn't know how to do really any construction. And uh, I'd been working in a, what we called in those days, or what was called the hippie boutique. It was a clothing store. And uh, I was wearing a English cut style suit. And I was wearing some rather fancy shoes. And I found myself on a roof cutting plywood. And uh, I was definitely learning about slipping and sliding in those shoes. And, uh, but uh, I needed a job. The first one was coming along. And uh, so I had to, was feeling the love of a father. Going to have the first youngin. And uh, so I said, well, I better thank be thankful for a job, whatever it is, and let's just get to it. And so I got witness to, though, this man, Brother Stefano, that was the contractor, he uh, started talking to me about the Bible and about Jesus. And I remember saying, nah, I don't want that. Oh, we were sinners. We were uninterested. We were all involved with the world. And uh, I just pushed it away. But you know, God's saints don't push away so easily. We earnestly contend for the faith, for the belief, for the truth. We're not easily discouraged. We, uh, we soak up scorn and ridicule like a river. We don't pay that any mind. We're tough. And uh, we're made out of material that comes from another world. We're born again of God. We're born of God. And Brother Stefano, he just kept on praying and kept on witnessing to me. And God started working on my heart. And I Remember, I said to him one day, do you think I could have that Bible that you offered me and I pushed away? And that Bible had been a little old Bible, like a pocket Bible. But on that day, he pulled out a big Bible. <laughs> and he said, yeah. And he gave me a big old Bible. And uh, I took it home, which was different for me even to go home. You know, usually I'd go to the pool hall. And I'd hang out. And hang out with the guys and talk. And shoot pool, whatever. 
But now, found myself going home. Took that Bible. And I'd just lay down on the bed. She'd lay down next to me and we'd read. We'd read the Bible. Didn't want to turn the television on. Didn't want to listen to the many albums that I had. You would call them CDs today. Or you would have your iPod and your earbuds listening to your music. And uh, but we didn't do that. We started reading the Bible. Just two kids, 20 and 17 years old, reading the Bible. And uh, first news you know, <laughs> read myself right under conviction. Look what that says. Look what that says. Look what that says. Wow. And I'd go back to work the next day and I'd say, hey, brother, to Stefano, what does this mean? And he'd tell me and I'd say, why didn't they ever tell me that? The religion I was raised in, you know, admittedly I left it, but the years I was in it, why didn't they ever tell me that? You know, because I had never read the Bible, never been instructed in my religious instructions to read the Bible. There was catechism, there was missal, there was all kinds of different things, but there was never the Bible. And uh, even though they have their own version of the Bible, and it's right in there, never. And the more I read, the more God squeezed my heart. Until finally, we, we went to church. We went to a service, in other words. And in that service, God got a hold of our hearts more and more. And uh, I remember my wife's skirt got confused with a belt. And uh, my ripped jeans, before they were in fashion, if I had those jeans, then I probably could give $200 for them. And, uh, but, uh, you know, we just came in there, you know, just a long-haired, bearded hickey, hippie, and uh, just lost. And, uh, you know, we didn't know anything. But, you know, people were so nice to us. We didn't walk into the first church of the refrigerator, you know. We felt that love of God. And we listened to the preacher preach. And uh, we remarked it was different, but it was something that they had that we want. And it wasn't too long that we were both baptized together in the name of Jesus Christ. And if I could get that tank that I was baptized in, I'd get it. <laughs> I'd move it right here on the grounds. And uh, we were saying that we were going to take our, our school, our students, and anybody that wanted to go, and we were going to go down and have a tour of where we got the Holy Ghost, where Brother Dunn preached. And uh, anyway, we got baptized. I received the Holy Ghost, and after the first... One week after the first baby was born, my wife received the Holy Ghost. And uh, that's when we experienced. It's one thing to talk about the feeling, even to be talked to, witnessed to about the feeling. But it's another thing 
to experience or feel the feeling. You know? I remember telling Sister Mary's one of her nephews, I said, I was trying to relate to him and witnessing to him. And I said, yeah, you know what I preached the other night? He said, no, what? I said, Jesus is feeling you, dog. He said, really? He said, I'm coming. <laughs> and he did. He did come. And uh, so <laughs> I'm glad I got to feel the feeling. I'm glad I got to experience the feeling that this great love of God because He gives us the gift of His Spirit. And the Bible said, that's the love of God that's shed abroad in your heart that's given to you when He fills you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Behold, what manner of love. The forgiving love. The loving love. The love that sees beyond your faults. I mentioned to you the man that witnessed to me, Brother DeStefano. He was, he, could, he was a singer. Not just a singer, but he was a singer. He not only sang in the choir, but he sang solos. And he would sing a song about he looked beyond my faults. And he saw my needs. Behold, take a good look at how much God loves you. Take a look at how much he swept aside. A woman was brought to Jesus. One of many, I'm sure, but this one is highlighted in the Bible. And basically thrown down at his feet of his earthly ministry, days of his flesh, when he was witnessing and talking to people and getting ready to go to the cross and give his life. And this woman was, they said, taken in the very act of doing it wrong. And they, they quoted to him what Moses and the law, the word of God said. Nothing like quoting the word to the word. Huh? <laughs> he is the word, right? And... Uh, he was the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. Always pays to know who you're talking to. And, uh, isn't that what he told another woman that came? And he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you might want to wake up. I remember telling a group of people, I said, you need me. You need me. Be wise for you to know what's in your midst. Jesus said in one place, he said, you talk about Solomon? He said, there's a greater than Solomon here. <laughs> you know? So here's this woman thrown at his feet and the crowd with stones, rocks, and boulders in their hands. Moses and the law say that she should be stoned, put to death. What do you say, Master? Their motive was to catch him. To get him to... Say something contradictory to the Word of God, the chapter and verse. To catch him in his words. You know, you need to know and discern people's motives. Why have they come by here? Why are they asking these questions? Why are they contacting me 
through social media. What, what's really their motive? What's going on here? And uh, Jesus told this crowd, he said, well, he said, I'll tell you what. He that among you is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Oh. <laughs> you talk about I'm feeling you, dog. <laughs> they were feeling what Jesus said. They were feeling it big time right about then. And they, every one of them knew they had sin in their lives because we're all born in sin. We're all misshapen by sin. And we're all concluded or included under the umbrella of sin. And they knew that. And all of a sudden, the next sound that you hear will be the sound of the dropping of boulders and rocks. Boom! As they begin to drop their stones and their rocks. And as they begin to file out, leaving from the youngest to the oldest, the oldest to the youngest, they begin to leave. Jesus had busied himself writing on the ground. Personally, my conjecture is that he wrote MYOB, mind your own business. And when he straightened up, he looked at the woman, and he looked at the empty assembly that had been full of angry faces, accusing people. And he said, woman, I love that. I love to say that to my wife. She loves to answer me and say, man. <laughs> he said, woman. He said, where are those thine accusers? And she said, nobody here. <laughs> Just you and me. And you know what? That's what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to. And uh, Jesus said, they don't condemn you? He said, neither do I. Neither do I. But he didn't stop there. You know, one man made a lot of money as a commentator on the radio for years. And by his phrase was giving the rest of the story. So let me give you the rest of his statement. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. I told that young man, that had the umbrella that materialized seemingly out of nowhere in the rain. I told him, I said, when you, because he asked me about Ananias and Sapphira, of all things. <laughs> that was rather, I thought, ironic. And because Ananias and Sapphira lied, presumptuously. And they died. First the man, Ananias, 
And then the woman, given an opportunity to tell the truth, she also lied. And the apostle told her, how is it that Satan has filled thine heart? But he said, you're not lying to man. That'd be bad. But you're lying to the Holy Ghost. You're lying to God. And the woman also fell down dead. And this young man with the umbrella said to me, he said, lots of people lie. They don't fall down dead. What's that talking about? And I said, well, the first thing is, and where we were standing, there were two different kinds of pavers that we were standing on. That's the way that they designed it. And there's a big difference between them. And I said, you see these here? He said, yeah. I said, that's us when we're lost. I said, you see these over here? They're different, aren't they? He said, yeah. I said, that's us when we get saved. I said, when you come into church, the body of Christ, by repenting, by being baptized in Jesus' name, and by receiving the gift of God's Spirit, the Holy Ghost, I said, you're changed from this to this. You come out of the world and worldly attitudes and you come into the body of Christ. You're changed. Okay? You're changed. So in other words, these folks were claiming to be in the church. Ananias and Sapphira. Acts chapter 5. That you're asking about. I said, so they're not supposed to be acting that way anymore. We're not lying anymore. Because now we're in the church. We're in the body of Christ. He said, oh. I said, you see, those the Bible said in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, in teaching to the body of Christ, in teaching to the church, instructing the church, he said, when you get this repentance, when we baptize you in Jesus' name in water, when God fills you with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the free gift of the Holy Ghost, He said, you become a new creation or a new creature in Christ Jesus. And he said, old things, lying for an example, are passed away. And behold, all things are made new. So I said, that old over here that I told you, that's where we were. That's the old nasty sinful life. Okay? But through the born again experience, now we're over here and we're going to look different. We're going to act different. Because we are now different. Because we're a new creation. He's created us anew. He's made us new. We're in the church. We're in the body of Christ. And everybody said praise the Lord. Let's give God a big hand. I'll tell you what. The Bible said... In the chapter before 1 John chapter 3, in other words, chapter 2, the apostle said, I write unto you fathers, because you have, you see, we're not trained, we've got Sunday school going downstairs. We've got staff, teachers. I told Sister Ann today, she said, I forgot that it was Father's Day. She's so funny, she goes, what day is it? Only an artist would say that, right? I, um, I won't go into it, but anyway, and just that way. 
and uh, bless her heart. And uh, so she she said, "It's what, what day is it anyway? Because everybody's coming up to shake my hand. I have to pause them. And so she, I said, it's Father's Day. She said, oh, she said, my goodness, I don't even know what day it is. And I, I said, well, that's all right. And I said, you're my Father's Day present. I said, because you're going down there once again at the tender age of 74 to teach Sunday school again. And I said, so you're my present. Thank you for what you're doing. And so she headed on down there. And uh, I'm saying there's, there's six or seven classes down there. And um, they're trying to convey to the children to raise up our young men to you get married, to do things decently and in order. You come into church. And as young men, you get that opportunity. Many of us, like me, we come out of the world. We, we weren't raised in and around the church. So we didn't know any better. It's all new to us. Just like I told you, I'd never read the Bible. It was all new to me. And, uh, but you are going to Sunday school. You are being raised up. Many of you have years under your belt. On top of that, you're, some of you, many of you are alumni or still are in our, just like these, some of these young ladies, in our academy. There's a beautiful picture that was given to me and seen Sister Bell. A blown up, a big picture of the academy this year and uh, our students. And um, so you're being taught for years and what's right, what the Bible teaches, so that you'll, you'll grow up and maintain your virginity until you get married. And that when you get married, then you'll become a father. Then you'll become a mother. You'll have not only the opportunity, but you'll have the good teaching to reinforce that. Okay? Because maybe your mother and father, they didn't have that. They didn't know that. They, like myself, were first generation. Came in, who are these? Who are these, John? Who are these people? These are they that came out of great tribulation. These are they that came that God pulled out of the fire. Came out of sin. Came out of darkness. Behold, one manner of love. Well, the love didn't stop with us as first generation. Okay? Or maybe uh, I saw, I was at the Publix the other day grocery stores on my way home and I stopped there and uh, was right on the road, right on the way, right on the route. And I stopped there. You know, it's, it's the jumping off place. It's the last place that you can stop basically before your next 30 miles to get here. And so don't drink too much iced tea or soda. <laughs> and so <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, I uh, stopped and I was coming through the line. I only had a few articles, and and uh, I looked up and I saw one of church family's daughters, who's not in the church, and but certainly knows the truth, and been witnessed to many times. Gave me a big old smile and she waved. She said, "Hi, senior pastor," and I said, "Hey," I said, "How are you doing?" I said, "It's good to see you," and uh, they were on a different line, and uh, so there are among us those that were, have been raised, have been taught, have had much exposure and many prayers and been in many services and will tell you in a heartbeat 
Senior pastor doesn't teach it like that. Senior pastor doesn't do it that way. They may not be living it right now. They may not be coming to church faithfully right now. But don't kid yourself, they know. They've been well exposed because we earnestly contend for the faith. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. We're, we're effectively, effectually, we've got it on the billboard. We've got it in the every sa Sunday, Saturday rather, every Saturday in particular, just about every Saturday, we're out giving out tracts. I saw Pastor Hopper yesterday and he and his family, and I said, man, I, I just met a, a lady, a daughter actually, and her mother, and I said, I felt like they were going to church somewhere, but I felt like they didn't have the full truth. And I witnessed to them. And I said, and I had a man today tell me about a man that had a stroke. And he telling me that, I got to witness to him about three miracles that we've just had. People that have been healed. Uh, Brother Small is back there today. I've told you, and you know what healing God gave him. Brother Franklin's back there, same thing. And hopefully Sister Mace will be here tonight. And I begin to tell this man, because he said, my friend, he's 59 years old, he's had a stroke. He said, they said he has no brain activity. So they put him in hospice. You know, you know what hospice is, right? That's one foot in the grave and one foot on a banana peel. And you're already slipping. <laughs> so that's just it, as far as they're concerned. Only problem is, that guy's laying there. Seven adults were there. One of them was his grown son. This man is 59 years old. And the man says, I love you. And everybody's like, did you just hear what he said? He has no brain activity. Listen to what he just said. And so the man's telling me about it. So I started witnessing about Brother Small, and Brother Franklin, and Sister Mason. And then I told him, he said to me, he said, they have him in hospice down at the Broward Hospital on Sample Road. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you what, that rang a bell for me. And I said, really? I said, Broward Hospital on Sample Road. I said, can see it right from 95. He said, yeah, that's it. I said, okay. I said, that's the scene of a great miracle. I said, because my family got out of a car, a truck at Sanibel, going to take a few days off. I said, it's probably been 20 years ago. And I said, we got out of the car. I didn't even put the key in the lock of the place we rented. Five of us. Didn't even get to go in and take the bags and unpack them. Got a phone call. I don't know how old cell phones are, but it was right at the beginning of them. And I had one so that people were just such reason as this. And I got the call. And they said, so-and-so is in the hospital and looks like she's dead. I said, okay. Got the kids, turned around, threw the bags back in the back of the truck. That's why we didn't go too far. <laughs> Just such an occasion as this. Drove back two hours and then drove another 45 minutes on I-95 and got to that hospital and went in. And there's this person laying there with their tongue hanging out. And their eyes rolled up the back of their head. And their mother weeping. And anybody else connected is upset. 
And we prayed. And God raised her. Came to life. I told this man about it. And I had somebody with me. And so, later on, somebody asked me. And I told him who it was. I said, yes. That was Sister Mace's daughter. <laughs> he said, you know, he said, I've heard you tell that many times. He said, I never knew who it was. I said, oh, yeah. I said, you're talking about a walking miracle. <laughs> I said, my God. And I'm telling you, there are many daughters and many sons. They know what manner of love comes from this church. They know about the Holy Ghost. Whether they've ever received it or not, they know. They know. What manner of love. Some of them have experienced it. Some of them have the gift of God. I've been asked about the prodigal son many times. The key word is son, daughter. You better remember. And friend, that manner of love reached into that hog slop and pulled that boy out of there. And he came to himself. I've sinned. Done it wrong. <laughs> you know what I told that guy yesterday and that man in the hospital? I said, I'll go pray for him. And I said, I'll give you our card. I'll give you our one of our advertising pieces. And uh, I really like mine on my truck. You know why? You go out in the parking lot, you can find your truck real quick. <laughs> I'm not kidding either. Brandon wasn't answering the phone. He wasn't answering the text. I didn't know he was supposed to be at the curb, and he wasn't. And I'm looking around, and, you know, I'm like, okay, where is he? No phone, no text. What's going on? And I'm looking around. I even went to the side. I went to the other side. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, I look up. And there it is. Apostolic way. Acts 2.38. And I said, oh, there we are. And I walked over there. And about that time, he woke up. That's all right. He went to work 5 o'clock that morning. And it was, it was 3 in the afternoon now. So that's okay. And uh, needless to say, I drove home. But uh, everything was fine. But uh, I gave the guy the our card advertisement. And I said, you call me. I said, I'll come pray for him. God willing, we will come pray for him. And I certainly know where that hospital's at. And uh, I, I said to him, I told him to witness the miracle and what God had done. I'm very familiar with the place. We'll be there. God willing, we will be there. and We will pray for him. And... Uh, I'm saying to your church family that we want to we wanna go to people. We want to bring the message any way we can, whether it's a 40-foot billboard that we pay a pretty good amount of money. But what's the money for? It's to build churches. It's to preach the gospel. I'm not in this to get rich. I'm not splitting churches <laughs> to get rich. You know, to have income and money. Not at all. That's not how we earnestly contend for the faith. That's not how it's, the example is in the Bible. And so, 
we're going to use the money for what God gives it to us for. And that's what we've been doing and what we're going to continue to do. And so, God willing, we're going to go pray for this man. And God give him a healing. And God love going to reach what manner of love we're going to bring to this fellow. What manner of love reached to that prodigal son and pulled him out as he confessed, I've sinned. I'm not even worthy to be called a son. Let me be a servant. Well, you know, if you have that attitude in the beginning, <laughs> right? Have that attitude in the beginning, we wouldn't wind up in that old hog pen, would we? We wouldn't wind up out there being compelled to partake of what the hogs and the pigs are partaking of. We wouldn't be that sow going back to waller in the mud, would we? Oh yeah, we wouldn't do that. We'd be so thankful. And there's going to be people. There's going to be sons and daughters. There's going to be nephews and cousins and aunts and grandmothers and all kinds of people that you've lived the life before. They're going to come. He said, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him. Don't take that lightly. You have known him. You've received the gift of the Holy Ghost is what he's saying. You're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You've known him. That is from the beginning. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. Isn't that marvelous? And then he said, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. He said it again. And he coupled it together with writing to the young men because you're strong. You're strong. Same thing to the daughters. You're strong. Okay? We're not raising weaklings. We're not raising limp-wristed. We're going we're gonna to earnestly contend for masculinity, which is being rubbed out willfully and maliciously in our society. Okay? And same thing with femininity. Gonna be, they're going to attempt to get rid of it. They want to create what they want. And that's exactly Antichrist, opposition to what God does. God made it this way. Here comes Antichrist to do it differently. You better hear me now. Okay? So we're going to do it the way the Bible teaches. We're going to stay with what is from the beginning. We're going to earnestly contend for it. Behold, take a good look now at what manner of love the Father hath bestowed. You need to take a good look at what all has been given to you all these years. What all has been imparted to you. What all the Sunday school teachers and the Monday school teachers and the church family are imparting to you day in and day out, week in and week out. Don't let it go to waste. Don't be a, a cracked, broken cistern that the water goes in and just runs out. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Retain what is given to you. Let us stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's stand together. God love you.
Thank you, Jesus. Let's take a moment, if you would, with me this morning, whoever you are, lift your heart with your hands with me and love your Heavenly Father. Give Him praise. Give Him glory. Give Him adoration. Give Him appreciation. That's another song we used to sing. Heavenly Father, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I love you. I adore you. I bow down before you. Heavenly Father, I appreciate you. Behold, when I do it wrong, 1 John 1 and 9, I can confess it. He's faithful and just to forgive me. He's faithful and just to forgive me. Sing and worship with us this morning. Thank you, Lord.